Hello, and thank you for joining us today. As always, it is such a pleasure and a blessing to be with you. My name is Tyson Cobb. Today, we're talking about something that is critical and crucial for each and every Christian to have a clear understanding. Today, we're talking about God's perfect love. And when we talk about the way that God loves us, we have to understand that there is a much deeper meaning than we would understand primarily in English, of what it means that God actually loves us. Before we get started, though, I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. The first scripture that I want to read is arguably the most popular, probably, uh, scripture in the Bible, and it's John three sixteen, and it says this, For this is how God loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. I want you to remember that word there. It says, for this is how God loved the world. We also want to look at John 16, 27. It says, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you loved me and believed that I came from God. That was Jesus speaking. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you loved me and believed that I came from God. And without a doubt, the word love is the most misunderstood probably the most abused word in the English language. We can say, I love ice cream, or we can say, I love my kids or my spouse. And obviously we mean many different, there's many different types of love that we mean to express when we use that one specific word. However, the problem is, is that love is the most important truth in the Bible. This one specific word, love. And God tries to communicate his love for us through words. When our perceptions of, of certain words are distorted or darkened, our ability to receive from God is limited when we don't look at love the right way. We respond to God and to others based upon that distorted view of love. But what's interesting is what one word in English stands for. In Greek, there are five words for love. And they actually express different things. So in the Greek, there is a a word that is a a love that just means a a fond affection. There's a word for love that means a, a family bond. There's another for a strong desire. Actually, there are five. But the word that God uses here is the word agape. And the word agape is a word for love that means a commitment of will. It is a no matter what kind of love. It is a love for the unlovable. It is a, it is a decision for love, not an emotion, not this is something I, I truly deeply like. This is a no matter what. I've made a decision from now through the end of time. This is the decision. And that is when God says for this is how God loved the world. That word love is the word agape. This is how God has made a decision for love. This is how God has made a decision to even love the unlovable. This is a decision that God has made. The words in the Greek here are very superior. They're exact and they're very precise when we look at the word love. Now there's four things about agape love. Agape love is the foundation for all legitimate love. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 13. Agape love is the most important and powerful force 
on the earth. Agape love is at the core of all of God's commandments. We see this in Matthew 22. And agape love is the measure of all love. Now, there's, if you're taking notes, there's, there's three main ingredients that I want to talk to you today about agape love. And the first is sacrifice. So when we look at making a decision for love like God has made for us, it is a decision, it is a, a, a sacrificial decision, and nothing plays better to this than what we see with what Jesus did for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. We also see in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up. Agape love is a focus on giving, not getting. Right? When we say we love a specific food, it's because we're getting what that food would give, give to us. When we make a decision for love, like God has made for us, we say that this is about giving. This is God giving and making a decision for love. So the first that we have is sacrifice. The second thing that we have is attention. You see, agape love is focused on others, not on ourselves. Once again, Jesus plays 100% into this with what we see that Jesus has done for us, what God himself has done for us. Matthew 6, 25-34 says this, That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. This is Jesus talking. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate all the thoughts of all unbelievers. For your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able, talking about Christ, once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Once again, it is a focus on others, and we see this right here with Christ. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf, talking about believers in Christ. The third thing here is loyalty. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. 
It is a commitment. It is a decision no matter what. Romans 8, 35-39 says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or we are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger, or even threatened with death? As the Scripture says, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And it goes on to say in verse 38, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, agape love is a permanent love. That loyalty is not temporary. It is a decision for love that is everlasting. Agape love is the type of love that God has for us. We have seen that throughout Scripture. What Jesus did for us. His sacrifice for us. He attends to us constantly. He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. These are promises of the Bible. The promise of love from God. So we have that. But agape love is the type of love that God wants from us. He wants us to give up everything. He wants us to focus on Him. He wants us to remain faithful to Him. Throughout Scripture, we are told to lay down our life and to pick up our cross. To focus on the glory of God and not the glory of man. To focus on building His kingdom and not our own kingdom. For Him to be our God. And not, us, not for us to put our trust in money or in the possessions of this world, but to put our focus and to put our trust in Him. So we've looked at God loves us. This is how God loves us. We've looked at this is how God wants us to love Him with agape love, with this decision, this no matter what, this sacrificial love. We are also told that agape love is the type of love that God expects us to demonstrate to others. So we have the way God loves us and the way we're supposed to love God, but this is the same way we are called as Christians to love each other. John 13, 34 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, so now I'm giving you a new command to love each other just as I have loved you. You see, God doesn't say just, well, go care about them. Go, go tend to them. Go help them. Go spread my, go, go spread the gospel. We're supposed to do those, but we're supposed to do those through this kind of love, this love for the unlovable, this no matter what kind of love, this 
sacrificial love, this caring love, this faithful love. This is the love that we are supposed to have for our fellow man. We're supposed to share the same kind of love that God has loved us with. So it's amazing when you, when you think about this. And as I have taken time to reflect and, and to think about agape love, and there are many times that I've looked at agape love and thought, oh, I, have, I got a good understanding. And what happens is through my experiences in life, my understanding more and more of Scripture and, and the revelation that God gives me, I continue to get a deeper and deeper understanding of agape love. And it's, it's interesting, you know, 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. And I think it's interesting that we may never have a full understanding of the love of God. but we continue to get closer and closer to understanding that love once we have a glimpse of the way that God loves us. So today, as I've been talking about agape love, there are a lot of people out there I started off talking about the way that people have a distorted view of the word love I hope this brings better clarification to the kind of love that, that God has for us, that it never ends, that it's sacrificial, that it's a forever type of love. Because many of us in life experience love that is fleeing. People promise certain things and don't deliver on those things. But God's love is true. God's love is forever. And God's promises are forever. And this kind of love, this love that Jesus showed us, this sacrificial love that He made for us, that He came and showed us so that we can believe in Him, repent in our, of our sins, and we can be made right with God. You see, the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is why God Himself, this is why Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died and rose from the dead as payment for our sins so that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord and repents for their sins can be saved. That is what the Bible tells us. So if you are out there today and you have never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, if you have never put your faith and trust in Him and repented of your sins, today is the day. None of us are promised tomorrow. When we talk about all of us sinning and falling short of the glory of God, there's this notion in the world that if we're a good person and we do a lot of good things, we can go to heaven. The problem with that type of thinking is we have already done wrong. We have already sinned. We have already fallen short. And because we have sinned, we are separated from a perfect and holy God. And our God is just. And justice must be served. 
You see, it's just like going in front of a judge. And let's say you committed a crime. And you go before the judge. And before you go to the judge, you do all of these things. You go and help children and and widows. And you, you feed the poor. And you try to do all of these great things. And when you get in front of the judge, you say, Well, I know I did this one thing, but look at all these good things I've done. And the judge would say, Well, that's really good, all the good things that you have done. But... You've already done wrong and justice has to be served. You see, that's what our sin does. Our sin separates us from God and there is justice that has to be served. But if someone, if there was a fine to be paid for what we had done wrong and that fine was paid, the judge would let us go. He would say, your debt's been paid. You're free to go. And that is what Jesus did by coming, living a sinless life, dying and raising from the dead so that he could make us right with God by anyone who puts their faith and trust in him. So today, if you have never prayed that prayer, if you have never asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, to confess with your mouth that you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, I want to lead you in a prayer. And there is nothing special or specific about this prayer. It is a confession with your mouth and a believing inside yourself that Jesus is who he says he was and a repentance of sin. If that's you today and you want to pray that prayer, please repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to this earth that he lived a sinless life, that he died and rose from the dead for payment for my sins. Please forgive me for my sins. And I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for allowing me to spend eternity in heaven with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to hear from you. Please email us, message us so that we can celebrate with you. And depending on your choice of social media, please like, subscribe, comment, share so that this message can reach more people for Christ. God bless you.